And we're back and ready to rip here on the Imperative MX Podcast, episode number three. And man, we're glad to be back for another week and another podcast, bringing you all of the local motocross action from North Carolina, Virginia, and the surrounding states. Thank you so much for joining us this week. I am your host, Zach Newberry, and we would like to thank each and every person that has been enjoying these first two episodes already and the great positive feedback from these have already been humbling. It is just really cool to see the support from the local community in the sport of motocross. We have a lot of talk we have a lot to talk about when it comes to local racing all the way to professional racing and everything in between. There's a good amount of talking points to chat about this week for this episode number 3 of the Imperative MX podcast. The Verb Moto Classic at Next Level 101, the Lake Sugar Tree 20th Annual Halloween Bash details, uh, the favorited local legend seg- uh, segment, Silver Valley MX Park, the AB $20,000 uh, race that's going to be coming up here in a, two weekends away. Can't believe that it's that close, but we got more details. We're going to be answering your questions that were submitted via our social media accounts, Uh, We'll be talking about the World Supercross on the professional sides towards the later uh, end of this pod and just so much more. Um, Make sure to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and our popular TikTok channel, which I believe now we're at about 21.5 thousand followers, which is awesome to see. Uh, All of these links will be in the description down below on the YouTube feed. Uh, This is going to be a whole lot of fun here on episode number three of the Imperative MX podcast. But before we go any further, we have to say thank you to all of the sponsors that are on board here (laughs) for the Imperative MX podcast. West Virginia Motorsports, FXR, Silver Valley MX Park, Hydropower, and we have a brand new sponsor that will be on board with us, Dirt Industries. Make sure to support the ones that support the sport like these companies helping us with this podcast to bring you these episodes weekly. Uh, And we will get more into the details of these sponsors here in a little bit. But helping me break down all of the talking points for tonight's podcast, the highly likable, hilarious, knowledgeable, and your District 29 2011 (laughs) C-Class champion co-host Heavy D. What's up, Heavy? Dude, what is up? What's going on, buddy? You are you are fired up and ready to go for episode number three here, huh? Oh, dude, I'm excited. I like I've been waiting for this. The weekend was solid. It was a solid weekend for local racing, and you know what? I couldn't be more stoked to be back to chat it up. Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, yeah, you were at the Verb Moto Classic this weekend, which will be our first talking point. Uh, here on the Imperative MX podcast, and uh, yeah, you saw a lot of uh, fast riders from young to old uh, down there. Vermoto was there. Obviously, we know them in the media scene. Uh, they do amazing video work and awesome on their website for their reads and stuff, so make sure to go and check them out. But yeah, uh, Next Level 101, Jessica Patterson, um, and uh, yeah, uh, Great Court, South Carolina. It was a it was a big turnout and uh, a lot of racing down there, huh? Oh, dude, it was it was sick. You know, I got to I got to go Saturday. No, I got to go hop on the mic, do some announcing, and watch the biggest women's purse I think there ever has been in uh, motocross. Yep. And oh, dude, the local racing, 
it was sick, dude. It was just unreal. I wish you could have been there. Like, I'm still stoked talking about it. Yeah, uh, I really wish that I would have uh, been able to make it down there as well. Uh, but I had current truck issues, uh, but I did get the truck back today, so that's good. So, uh, But, yeah, no, I would have loved to go down there and see all of the racing action. I'm sure there will be more footage and all of that coming out uh, here soon to so that I can watch a little bit more of it. But there was a lot of competition down there, Heavy D, which was uh, – what was some of the maybe highlights for you? Because I know you were there just Saturday and you got a little bit on the mic and all of that. So what was maybe one of the highlights, maybe a good race that you saw? Uh, obviously, the women's uh, purse was huge. Uh, Jordan Jarvis ended up taking that home. But, I mean, you had Jamie. Um, help me with her last name. I forget. Asadio. There you go. There you go. I wasn't even going to try and butcher, uh, butcher it. Um, and uh, <laughs> Hannah Hodges showed up. So, I mean, there was a good amount of women there. But uh, other than that, what was maybe one of your highlights from uh, Saturday? Well, let's see. Okay. I'm, I am going to say, dude, you, not just because it was the women's race, but the women's race, that first moto was probably the most epic moto you would ever see. And yeah. I'm not even yeah. joking. Like, don't get me wrong, like, Jordan Jarvis, she uh she got to start that first moto, so she 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 was able to check out and get some breathing room. But dude, second to tenth, it was a freight train. I mean, wheel to wheel. Yeah, they were all they, they were all just battling. Oh, dude, they were going at it. I mean, you had Hannah Hodges, Jamie Osadio, Eve Brodeur from Canada, Kylie Fosnot, Katie Benson, uh, Marissa uh yeah Marissa Markelon, yeah Marissa Markelon. Man, that's um, a that's a hef, hefty group there of women. Oh, dude, Sophia Phelps. Uh, oh, yep, Loretta uh, Lynch champion. Rivieros. Yep, uh, Sophia won the uh, title at Loretta's this year, correct? Uh, I it was was I think she may have won again this year. She won last year for sure. Oh, okay, okay, maybe I have my years mixed up, but I know she is a uh, Loretta Lynch champion, and obviously, um, I believe that Jordan is as well. So. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so there was oh, a, that dude, was but, that was big. That was that was a big purse oh, there. Oh dude, it was it was insane. Like, I mean, they th dude those th those females they were going at it. Like you like you could tell like that was a big amount of money. And like even Kylie Fox not like she did she hadn't raced in God I, I want to say several years. Oh and, wow. Yeah, I, I'm not joking. And dude, like hearing the story of how like she hadn't rode in so long, like. She had like a clutch basket blow apart, um, a hole in her case, like everything just could could have went wrong, went wrong. She still made it out. Like that goes to show you like how much like Verb, Jess, and Eddie that they put into that. It was it was sick, dude. Like and those, those girls, they showed up and showed out. That's for sure. Absolutely, absolutely, and yeah, that was definitely one of the biggest talking points of the weekend because it was absolutely one of the biggest payouts for a women's class and uh you have to give your hats off to the guys over at verb moto west williams and his entire crew uh for putting this together and making a huge payout for the women's class because we don't see that very often and obviously this is more of a male uh sport women obviously do it as well and uh over the years they kind of took away some uh some women's things on the professional side um that sort of thing so it's really good to see that um you know, these companies are willing to help out uh, the women's class as well. Oh, dude, absolutely. It was it was sick, you know. And, I mean, a another cool thing, I mean, not trying to toot the horn, but like I said, Double D, Dawson Cobb, he 
can't get a classic, showed up last. He, he, he's done with C-Class, though. He's done being a C-Class hero, going to be, but he showed up, clean house, got that king of the classic. You know, I had to call that one on the last episode. Yeah, yeah, no, so, you uh, you definitely called that one out, and sure enough, you let everybody know on the gram that you called it out here on the Imperative <laughs> MX podcast, for sure, for sure. Oh, dude, I had to. Yeah, I absolutely, to. you know, we we uh, gotta let everybody know that, you know, we're legit here on the Imperative MX podcast, and, uh, and we know a good amount, and we know uh, what we see, and we can tell what's going on for sure, um, like it like I said in the beginning, I wish that I would have uh, been able to make it, but uh, there's two weekends of racing, big uh, big weekends, the Lake Sugar Tree Halloween Bash and also the Silver Valley uh, MX Park AB Shootout, which will be absolutely phenomenal. But uh, any other classes that stood out to you, Heavy D? Oh, absolutely. Let, let, well, 65 class and B class. I want to start off with 65 class first, though, because, dude, those little dudes are getting – gnarlier by the year yeah uh i mean you you showed me a clip that that you took of the 65s and what the first eight riders were hitting that big triple in the back oh dude the big triple the double up front like some some like some big bike guys a lot of big bike guys wasn't even hitting them wow and you got 65s out here launching it oh dude they were whipping off the double in the front like (laughs) seat bounce whipping a 65 i was like what is in these kids' fruity pebbles? Oh, man, there's a that's a lot of fuel in there. They must be putting uh, you know, some octane fuel in there or something. Oh, dude, I'm talking about dude, they were singing on those 65s and I was like, "You know what? The sport of motocross with these little dudes, the future is in fantastic hands." Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it uh from me going back and remembering what the 65 and 85 class was back in the day and now seeing it, I mean, it's you know, every single rider that's on that gate can almost win. Um, and, uh, you know, they're so fast nowadays. The bikes are so good. The, uh, I think, training and, you know, uh, YouTube videos for, you know, to help riding and that sort of thing. I mean, there's so there's so much to help riders nowadays that wasn't available like when we were uh, or I was racing back in the early 2000s. So um, it's crazy to see how far the sport has actually gone. Oh, absolutely. It it is. And and what I really liked about it, you know, you had uh kids like Aiden Stein um yeah, Aiden Steinbecker, Easton Graves, Tace Morgan, and uh little dudes like that out there. And uh even for like uh, some of the local kids like this is one kid, Colin Stewart. Like uh he's he's a little local kid, but he don't really ride much, but the kid rips and you know, he got to get out there and mix it up with those dudes and he, he held his own out there, dude. He did good, I think. And one he, he pulled like a third overall. That's good. Yeah, so he he was killing it for sure. Absolutely. Man, but B-Class? Oh, dude, B-Class was epic. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. I'm sure sure each moto in B-Class was probably pretty solid and stacked. Here's what's funny. So, oh, dude, it was stacked. So, like, the the very first moto of the day, you had Brock Walker, uh, Noah Stevens, and Logan Best. Oh wow! Dude, they were going at it like every moto. Yeah, who like, ended who ended up coming out on top in the overall? Uh, I think uh Noah Stevens came out on top. Ended yeah. up coming out on top, but dude, by the first day, if like watching it, like it was it was a toss up because like the very first moto, um, I think Logan Best ended up third, but dude, they were so close. 
Yeah, Black like all the way to the finish type. Oh, yeah, dude, all three of them were. Um, I think them, Noah Stevens and Logan ended up both. They, they kept splitting motos. Brock was, dude, he was right there. It was just like he couldn't, he never could get that, like, the whole shot. He would get close. Yeah. But he never could get the whole shot, but he was always right there. And, you know, like, at, at that level, if you, like, if you're solid and headstrong, you can hold, you kind of hold hold that lead, you know. And usually whoever kind of got out front, that's who would win. Yeah. But it was that first, the first day, I was, I for sure, not going to lie to you, I thought Logan Best would have got the overalls. Yeah. Because, like, he lost the first moto, mm-hmm. but, like, the next one, because he raced every B class, I'm pretty sure he run, won the rest that day. Right. Just but, off of that one, for the, off of that first moto, because he was like, I, I really want to win. Oh, yeah, dude. He, like, he didn't win, but the next ones, it was on his mind. He was like, and you could tell, dude, by the way he was, like, riding. Yeah. Oh, I, I I gave him a nick, baby troll song. I had to give him baby troll. Yeah. What what's the reason yes. behind the baby troll? Dude, what what year was it when Alex Martin hopped on the Star Yamaha? And uh, he didn't win the title that year, but God, he was like he was it so was just good. like in a moto it was it would click. Oh was it that was sick no, was him and his brother on the team, the same team that year? Yeah. I want to say I think they were. So it had to be yeah. on one of his on one of Jmar's winning years, right? So it had to be yeah, maybe yeah, like it, fourteen or fifteen. I think it was. Yeah, it was fourteen or fifteen for sure because yeah. Alex Martin was in rare form that year. Yeah. Oh my God! He, indoors and out. Uh, he yeah, he won he, a because I know that Troll has what one or two overalls uh i don't think he's ever won a supercross but i know that he has won an overall uh in the outdoors i think that year he may have won three or four overalls that year yeah but i thought i thought maybe when he went and rode for uh tld that one year i thought he won maybe like a bud's creek or a millville or something yeah I, I, millville the reason I, millville because they're always like weirdly fast at millville not only because of their track but like yeah. that's just they're a different story when it comes to Millville. They're 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 their own local legend at Millville. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I mean, even though they don't ride it, like you see, looking at it every day is just as just as good. Like, <laughs> yeah, and you see how many bikes come by, and you've seen professional racing, and you have you know the family that's been there that's had the racing and has seen these riders come through, and you know you can dissect the track because they're the owners, right? So they can dissect the track so well and. Uh, yeah, just like the local legends that are unbeatable at some of these, you know, Outlaw Series tracks or just, you know, tracks in general, right? It's like you can't beat home court advantage. Just like in, in ball sports, it's really hard with the crowd behind and, you know, the good vibes in the in the arena for those ball sports or stadiums or whatever it may be, right? When you're at your mm-hmm. home court in moto, you're golden. Like, you know what to expect. It doesn't matter if it's raining. It doesn't matter if it's snowing. Or if it's dry, you know what to expect because you've ridden that track so many times, and that's why it's so hard to beat those guys on those tracks that are considered their home track. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, that's why, like, I, I like watching Logan this week, I was like, okay, that's baby troll right there. Like, Alex Martin, you know, he's, he, he you know, he, he's hung it up. He's, you know, I think he's fully retired now, but, yep. like, Logan Best, you know, he's a little dude too. Yep. And I don't know why the little dudes are so oddly fast. It makes no sense to me. Uh, <laughs> I don't – there's no way it's for aerodynamics, right? No, 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 <laughs> no, not at all. Like, that just 
that the aerodynamics aren't even in the physics conversation when it comes to those dudes. So I like, mean, really, if you think about it, our sport has to be maybe other than F1 drivers, because I think MotoGP ta- guys are kind of tall. But regardless of the fact, I think Moto, as far as if you look at the average, we're going way off topic here, but I think this is a good point that the average for these top racers. I don't even think none of really the champions in the past little bit, like Tomac is not six foot. He's like 5'10", 5'11". You got Carmichael. <laughs> Stu was never six feet. He was like 5'11", 5'10". You got Dungey that was maybe, I think he was right at six feet. But what I'm trying to get to is is that we're not a tall sport. We're not looking for those tall riders. Sure, you have like Benny Bloss and, you know, some of these other tall linky riders, um, Christian Craig, that sort of thing. But um yeah, it's it's unbelievable the uh the short stature I believe in this sport and for some reason the small guys do really well and I actually 100% agree with what with what you said it's so odd that the motocross community even at the top of the sport is under 6 feet uh tall. Yeah. It's crazy. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. And and they're riding a bull, you know. It's it's a you know it's a seventy horsepower bull that they have underneath them, you know. And they're you know these guys aren't built right, like they're they're strong, right? But they're not like built like bodybuilding built, right? Like they're just strong. And yeah, you would never like you you know you'd walk by the mall and if they had nothing that had motocross on, you would have no idea how bad they were, you know, how bad of a dude they are on a dirt bike. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, oh, you hit it like perfectly, perfectly well said. And it's, it's crazy. I was like watching him. I was like, like, dude, these two kids, like he's racing with are like bigger than him by like a big shot. Yeah. Yeah. And he is out here like getting down. Yeah. And it's crazy to see his, and it seems like almost we can get into this a little bit too. It seems like the transitions are happening faster than they used to back in the day. Oh, they are. From they 85 are. to 125 to 250s in literally two years. I mean, because Logan was on 125. Was he on 125s last year or was he on a super mini last year? No, he skipped super. He raced a 125 last year and this year. He raced Loretta's on a 125. Okay, so he, so he ran a 125 last year at Loretta's too? Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. So, like, I was, I was gonna say, like, maybe he was like a Hayden, where he went from super mini straight to one twenty fives, and then now he's, you know, on on two fifties. But Hayden didn't do the one twenty five thing. But you see what I'm saying there with uh, the short transition times to get on the oh, big yeah. bike is ridiculous. I mean, look at Drew Adams. I mean, he's fourteen five foot four, and you know, is amazing on a two fifty. It's honestly unbelievable for how small <laughs> he is. And all of that, like, I, I don't mean to go way off topic, but we're still talking no, about, you're not. you know, Logan Best, the Imperative MX podcast, episode number three. It's it's crazy that, yeah, our sport is low on stature as far as height goes. Small, not built, but small. Like, you know, they're in physical shape. We all know this. And the transitions are getting faster. And it's like... are. It's, really, like you said earlier, what is in their fruity pebbles? Honestly, and, and not to get off subject, and I, and I, for some reason, like the past several years, I've been thinking this because, like, look, look at it like this. At the time, Deegan 
you know, Deacon, he he wrote a super mini last year. Yeah, yeah, he raced. It's crazy to think he raced a super mini last year, and he's already in outdoors this year. That's what I'm saying. The transitions but, are just yeah, unbelievable. But like Casey Cochran was right there, but he raced the 125. And for for I've always thought like he, especially Hardy's last few years, like not to get off subject again, <laughs> but I I feel like it would elevate motocross. And get it back to that pinnacle it used to be so much. If like right now, because dude, kid, like you said, kids are coming out fast. Like the transition is is quick. Yeah. Why not come up like okay, you got basically in MXGP, you got MX one, MX two, MX three. Yep. And I'm pretty sure MX three is the one twenty fives. Uh, they have a EMX two. There uh, you go, EMX two. Yeah, EMX two, and then that MX three is like what they use at the um um. Designations for um that open class that Sexton yeah. that Sexton and um um uh Brandis was in. There you go. Yeah, it would almost be, in my opinion, better. Why not? Once these kids hop off super minis, dude, you got all these big teams. Why don't MX Sports come out with an MX class to race all of the outdoor nationals so these kids can start getting acquainted? With outdoor tracks. Well, I think that they're doing a phenomenal job with the um, Supercross Futures uh, to get their feet wet, and it's and it's the actual track that the, the that the pros are racing on. So that's legit. So they're getting a legit Supercross track. So they're learning. So last year, Ryder D and Ch and you know uh, Chance Hymas, that was that was good, and all the way to the final, like that was a good race. Like I think that that's what Supercross Futures needed was. Because Ryder D, you know, won every one, and then at the end, uh, Chance ended up winning. So it made yep. it it made it really good for for that. And I think for Supercross that is good. And I think for Moto, they need to do all twelve rounds. They need to bring in, um, if they want to, they can bring in, you know, the B riders and the top A riders, and mm -hmm. any ones that you want to show up. And if you get in a certain amount of points through that, you know, that uh, combine. Then you have to go and race pro, you know. So yeah, I don't. I like I, so I don't see why. Now I think because of TV scheduling and all of that, it can't be on TV. But I don't see why we can't, you know, because back in the day, I mean, they used to have practice on Saturdays, and then they used to have the racing on Sunday. Uh, you oh, know, yeah. they used to have the two-day format, kind of like the MXGP. And honestly, I think that that would be. That would be cool because you're not going just for one day. You get to watch these guys practice for a couple of hours, you know, the top guys, and then, you know, Sunday is the race, and after practice, you know, on Saturday, why not just throw in the Moto Combine and you can put it out on Racer X YouTube or the Pro Motocross YouTube or whatever it may be so that we can see kind of some of these up-and-coming riders because we don't get to see them very much other than their social medias uh, or, you know, other individuals uh, talking about them on websites or podcasts or YouTube videos or whatever it may be. And really, we don't get to see them until they drop the gate at Loretta's. So, oh, no. So I think we you need know, to see them more. Only reason I said 125 would go just because I feel like it would bring a lot more attention to outdoors as well or motocross in general. People love two strokes, they still want to see it, you know. And I feel like you got these kids that ride the piss out of super minis. Yeah. If you like, bring them up and like all right instead of setting up like because don't get me wrong like like we talked about dude bikes are getting fast and these kids aren't afraid to go fast but with 
with that comes along like high risk of like, all right, hitting the ground will be 10 times as more crucial. Absolutely. So, than a super mini. Yeah. Yeah. Why not like let them hit a 125 for a year in some outdoors, you know, let them get acquainted with like how gnarly the tracks is the fan base, like what it's like to be, what it would be like to be a pro and more fan interaction. And also I think dude, fans would love that shit. They would eat it up. Yeah. Like, I think, I think if they had like a Casey Cochran and a you know like a Logan Best, like if they would have had like a 125 class and Noah, like put all of those guys in there, even if it was Deegan, you know, if we actually you know, uh, if they actually did this right, then you would have all of those guys on 125s letting them ring out uh, around mm -hmm. you know Redbud or Millville or even Southwick, you know, it would be um, honestly really cool and it would bring back the two strokes too to the. Uh, new acclimated four-stroke era that we are currently in. Um, I believe that, you know, the 125s still sell. The 252 strokes still sell. They're still – the manufacturers oh, yeah. are still making them, right? And we have straight rhythm and, you know, all of these things going on with two strokes. They're they're starting to bring it back. And, honestly, mm -hmm. we have a social media question, which will be uh, later from a, um, uh, from a listener about uh, two strokes and the generation. Are they making a comeback or, or you know – are they not? So uh, we can actually talk about that uh, here in a little bit before we get too off topic. But, um, you know, episode number three of the Imperative MX podcast brought to you by West Virginia Motorsports, FXR, Hydropower, Silver Valley MX Park, and the brand new sponsor on board, Dirt Industries. Um, but, yeah, uh, Verb Classic seemed like it was a lot of fun. The track looked phenomenal from the pictures that I saw all across the social media platforms. Oh, and, yeah, uh, yeah uh, what a good time. And uh, you like being on that microphone, huh, Heavy D? Oh, dude, this it's fun. Don't get me wrong. I, I, like, I don't do it as much as I used to, which, I mean, it's fine. I I, I like getting on tracks and, and building stuff and, you know, freeing my mind a little bit. But right. Dude, honestly, like, being there calling out those races, it was sick. Seeing the amount of talent that's coming up, seeing the local guys get to mix it up with, like, God, some of the fastest kids in the country that were at the ranch. Dude, yeah. it was epic, man. I'm not I'm not gonna lie to you. It was sweet. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, when I went to the Moto Vroom um at Lake Sugar Tree a couple months ago, I got to see uh Liam Olaf. I got to see um, you know, Zach Osborne, Josh Grant, Chad Reed, I got to see Noah, I got to see all of these kids that were, you know, really, really good, uh, obviously, and you know, some of them got titles or wins, you know, and I had, you know, I, it's, it's honestly crazy. The, the amateur scene has so many fast kids that don't get talked about and it's honestly unbelievable. And I'm really glad that you're on board and, you know, uh, we can bring this to you, uh, to the listeners, uh, to you guys listening at home. Um, and it's honestly so cool. It's, uh, it's cool. Heavy D. Oh, absolutely. You know, it, I mean, like I say, I know it sounds crazy. I know I say it sounds crazy a lot, but, dude, sometimes I feel like you got a lot of kids that can't really afford to go race that next level on the amateur scene. And, dude, this, and not even that. Some just, I mean, I don't think their parents really had a desire to put them out there like that because, I mean, you know, the, the chances of making it motocross are pretty slim. So, like, they just want them to go do it, have fun, and go have a good career somewhere else. But, you got a lot of local kids that, like, honestly, they could if they could get out there on that scene, they would change the game, man. Yeah, like tremendously. 
so many local legends around around this area that don't get talked about enough and uh we'll get to the local legend segment uh here soon uh and that will be good we have two new ones for you guys here on the imperative mx podcast episode number three brought to you by west virginia motorsports and if you're looking for your next ride i just bought my 2023 rmz 450 and couldn't be happier with my purchase from the guys at West Virginia Motorsports. So um, look no further than my friends over at West Virginia Motorsports. If you're around the surrounding area and looking for a new or pre-owned motorcycle, dirt bike, ATV, UTV, whatever the case may be, make sure you stop by West Virginia Motorsports in Princeton, West Virginia. And don't forget to order your parts for your current bike or alongside that new ride out your door. And uh, Heavy D, like I always say, don't forget your filters, your oil filters, your air filters. Uh, clean your suspension every now and again. You know, get get some new fluid in there. The guys over at West Virginia Motorsports will uh, will help out. Next topic here on the Imperative MX podcast: Lake Sugar Tree 20th Annual Halloween Bash uh, this weekend in beautiful Axton, Virginia. Ken Farrow will be there at 6:30 in the morning to wake everybody up from their motorhomes, letting them know that they are in beautiful. Yeah, Honda. You know, that's what I have to call Hondas now, is I have to call them Hondas just because I've heard Ken Farrell say it for 20 years of my life. <laughs> On the Honda. He's, he's so funny, and he does all the moto productions for, I mean, he travels all the way to Redbud to do their nationals. He does the motocross of nations. He does Birch Creek. He does Lake Sugar Tree. He does all of the surrounding events with all of the speakers so that everybody can hear everything that's going on and the music and all of that good stuff. I mean, Ken Farrell has been around the sport and he, he does a, he does a phenomenal job and uh, I will be super excited to see him this weekend and to uh, hear a little bit of his announcing. He's a, he's a good guy. Oh dude. I miss hearing moto sound. Yeah. Yeah, dude. He's uh, Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You, you think the RMZ 450 with the brand new Yoshimir RS 12 barks, his moto, (laughs) his moto sound productions coming out of those speakers, that thing barks. Unreal. It is unreal. <laughs> so, uh, Lake Sugar Tree Halloween Bash is the 20th annual. And like I said in the previous podcast, I've been going damn near every single year. So, this is going to be a really special one since Imperative MX is doing, uh, we put up $200. So, we're going to do a $100 hole shot in the Super Mini class uh, for the Supercross Racing or the Halloween Bash that is going on on Saturday night. So, if you get the hole shot in the Super Mini class, I have to reach out of my pocket and give you a $100 gift card. Uh, and in the uh, Open Pro or the 450A, uh, we're also going to be doing $100 for the whole shot as well. So uh, that is really cool. There's $40,000 uh, and growing for just this uh, Halloween bash, which is on the Supercross track. It's going to be like a little Halloween town. Ryan Smith, the whole family down there at Lake Sugar Tree does a phenomenal job with the decorations and everything that is going on around the facility to uh, acclimate everybody and to make sure that everybody has a good time. They're going to have podium speeches after every single moto. So after your moto, you get top three. You're going to go and speak on the podium, have a little champagne, I do believe, uh, and all of that good stuff. So it's actually going to be cool, podium speeches and that sort of thing that you don't get at uh, many local races. So uh, that's going to be really cool. Motocross and Supercross racing. Uh, Motocross racing will be on uh, Sunday, but Early morning practice from 9 to 3. 
um, on the moto track on Saturday so that you can get your practice in. And uh, the Halloween festivities begin on uh, uh, Saturday. And there's all sorts of stuff. You can get there on third, Thursday if you want. They're going to have live music. Uh, on Saturday, 10 a.m., the Supercross practice begins. And at 12 p.m. is going to be the SX Racing Begins. There's going to be pit bikes. There's going to be, um, you know, for the 50 class, there's so, in the 50 class, Cobra has put up like $1,500 for some for some wins uh, to get oh, some right. stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's it's unbelievable the amount of sponsors and the amount of support that has showed up here in the recent years for the Lake Sugar Tree Halloween Bash 20th Annual. And uh, if you are not going, you are missing out. Even if you are from California listening to this podcast right now, you are missing out if you do not go to the Lake Sugar Tree Halloween Bash. It is a phenomenal event, Heavy D. Oh, dude. Like, Forty thousand dollars at a local event for a Halloween bash for a <laughs> motocross event, dude. That's insane. Like in a good way. It's like, dude, you know how much support you got to have. Like that's that's gnarly, man. And like, just about every single class is getting money in some way, shape, or form. It doesn't matter if you are on a fifty all the way up until you're eighty-nine years old. You're still gonna get money in some way, shape, or form. Uh, you know, Obviously. if you if you if you do well, so um, so cool. They have a uh, hundred pairs of one hundred percent goggles to give out. They have a great deal deal of tires that uh, are going to be given out. There's a pumpkin carving contest. Uh, there's best RV decorations, and you get money for that if you have the best RV uh, decorations for Halloween. There is a twenty dollar dad hole shot. Now let me let me explain <laughs> this. <laughs> so. <laughs> I can't remember exactly because I watched uh, the Lake Sugar Tree live stream last night on their Facebook for the information, and I was kind of just writing some notes as I was doing um, some things for Imperative MX. And uh, Ryan said that after one of the 50cc classes, after the gate drops, the riders go crest the first turn. They are going to put the gate back up. The dads are going to line up behind the gate on foot, and whoever gets the whole shot on foot, in the 50cc class for the dads gets 20 bucks. <laughs> oh my gosh. They have a they have a mom pit bike race and uh, moms get a little crazy on the pit bike. So Ryan said for the best mom crash. Now now hold on before before I go time any out. further. We do not we do yeah timeout fl- throw a flag throw a flag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there we don't want anybody seriously hurt. Okay, we just you know. There's just some funny crashes that happen, and the best one that happens, uh, that mom is going to get a, uh, I think it's twenty or fifty dollars or something like that. So if if you're a mom, you want to get on a pit bike and you want to just fall fall down and roll thirty six times, and if it's hilarious, you'll win you'll win some money. Uh, obviously, whiskey throttle will be uh, the number one thing that's going to happen. Um, and it's going to happen to the mom that's sitting on the gate and you got the, the kid that's going to run up and say, all right, mom, don't crash my pit bike. Yep. She's going to crash the hell out of the pit bike. Well, as soon as that gate drops and, uh, and, and, and that clutch or that throttle gets engaged, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's game over. It's game oh, over. Yeah. There's uh, gonna There's going to be so much. I ordered a bunch of stuff so that I can bring everybody as much content as possible. So make sure you 
go over to our Instagram at imperativemx.com uh, for all of the action, all of the video content, audio content from this podcast, and everything that we're doing at Imperative MX. So, uh, yeah, the Lake Sugar Tree Halloween Bash, 20th annual. This will be my 20th year going. So, um, yeah, Heavy D track's going to be good. The vibes are going to be good. Weather looks good. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited, man. And, you know, me and, me and my girlfriend are going to take uh, the truck and the trailer, and we're going to camp out in the trailer. So, uh, we're going to be there just like everybody else and, you know, hanging around and going around. So if you see, if you see myself, make sure to say hi, you know, come and talk some moto with me. That's, that's what I'm here for. And that's what I'm going to be there for. Um, I'm going to do, I'm not going to race Supercross since Imperative MX is part of the Supercross, but I will race on Sunday. Uh, you can best believe that. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a yeah. good time, Heavy D. Oh, dude, that's. I wish I could make it, but I know it's going to be sick. I'm going. To, I'm definitely going to try and get down there next year for it. Like, I mean, once 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 baby heavy's born and uh, everything's settled, we're gonna start getting out more. But that that event, I've always like seeing pictures, photos, videos. I've always heard like that is probably one of the sickest events of the year, and there's a reason why. Like, I mean, dude, forty thousand dollars for a local event spread out through like the classes and field and it go actually goes back to amateurs like dude that's awesome like you i mean honestly like that's real shouts to ryan and his his crew and all the sponsors on board for that event like that that's that's real that's real cool man absolutely so um yeah uh so obviously the amateur riders are gonna most of these things are gift cards so if you you know south of the border uh gift cards for you to you know let's say a thousand dollars from south of the border so you can use that to um you know go down and train at south of the border or practice or whatever the case may be uh cobra you know all of these other sponsors that are on board for the amateurs will um and i believe all the way up is getting uh gift cards of some some way shape or form from a company or from uh lake sugar tree in general uh from the sponsorship funds that were available to make this forty thousand dollars and growing heavy d i mean there was there were some spots that were not filled and i saw the comments that people were willing to just put a hundred dollars and you know just pay somebody you know for a class that doesn't have anything uh at the moment um yeah i mean there's people willing to donate and to pay you riders to come out there and put on a show at the uh 20th annual halloween bash and i'm uh super excited to get down there on friday afternoon Oh, dude, that's sick. I mean, I can't wait to hear all about that, too, once it's all uh, said and done. That's that's going to be sweet. Yeah, make sure you guys come back for episode four next week. Next Thursday, we'll be live on YouTube. And also, I forgot to mention in the beginning that we will or that we are now on Spotify as well. So if you get your music from there, you get your podcast from there, the Imperative MX podcast is on there as well and available right now. So you can... Uh, obviously listen to this one and you can go back and listen to the first episode and the second episode if you missed that. So um, have to give a huge shout out to our sponsor FXR. Look, you know FXR from the Club MX guys um, to a lot of local scene support from FXR. You see a lot of riders even at the top professional of the sport or the top of the sport to the lower part of the sport, FXR is everywhere. From high-performance snow rider gear to motocross gear, FXR has you covered. 
The continuing growth of FXR means more selection for you. Jackets, jerseys, pants, gloves, snow gear, FXR has you covered. Go check out the best in sizing, fitting, and venting, in my opinion, for motocross riding gear. That's FXRRacing.com and find them on social media as well. Thank you for their continuing support in my profession, or in, I mean, in my racing career um, and what I do right now, and also here on the Imperative MX podcast and Imperative MX. It's uh, cool, uh, so cool to see the guys at FXR willing to help out us, Heavy D. Oh, dude, they, I'm not going to lie to you. FXR's really got me floating with this Planet Fitness membership. Yeah. Right now to go try and drop these pounds because, like, not going to lie to you. I, I'm really trying. It makes me want to get back in shape just to get some FXR gear. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, you know, even at the Verb Classic, what, dude, FXR was everywhere. And, dude, FXR lit kit, I, I, I had my eye on one out there. I had my eye on one out there. Yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah, so before before you get into your rider that you're going to speak about, uh, we're going to, for FXR Reads, at the end, we're going to pick one local racer that wears FXR and has got the littest kit of the weekend that me or Heavy D are at the track and see. So if we're both not at the racetrack, uh, we will either go back and do an old one or uh, we won't do one uh, for that week. But um, if we do not have one or you would like to submit your own and would like to be featured here on the imperative mx podcast make sure to head over and email us at imperative mx at gmail.com in the subject line put fxr lit kit and give me a description and some pictures and maybe you will be featured here on the imperative mx podcast and uh Last week and the weekend before, we were talking about uh, Colton, the young rider. Uh, I believe that was his name, uh, Mr. Heavy D. Yep, Colton Tom. So he yep. he had he, he had the FXR lit kit for me. Oh, okay. So uh, that was the FX lit kit for you. Last week, last week. Okay, last, last week. week's. Okay, so last week. So uh, who you got for this week's? Okay, so if we go on local, it was actually two. Okay. I, the one, well, he did stay at club. I don't know if he still stays there anymore. But the kid that had the FXR lit, lit kit for me, Mason Stamp. Mason Stamp, okay. Mason, yes. But and what if class? we were local, um, 85, well, super mini, rather, super mini. Super mini, okay. All right. Um, yeah, hold on, let me be sure. Let me be sure. I'm pretty sure it was super mini. Or was it 12 or 15? <laughs> it was 12 or 15, yeah. It was 12 or 15. Okay. But uh, for local, I'm gonna have to hit it with Dougie Earls, son. Doug Dougie Earls keeps, I mean, absolutely keeps the FXR lit kit. Awesome, yeah. We we love to see the local support from FXR and FXR being everywhere on the gate, including myself, uh, helping out Imperative MX. Uh, the three riders that we just spoke about for the lit kit. I mean, it's uh. It's game on when you got FXR on, and that's why I say the sizing, fitting, and vitting, in my opinion, is the best motocross riding gear for sure. So make sure to go and check out FXRRacing.com or find them at your local uh, local dealer, and I'm sure that they could get it for you and find them on their social media. So uh, moving right into the local legend segment, FED, this is gonna be this is gonna be a good one. So if you do, oh, yes. If you do not know 
what a local legend is. A local legend is a rider from the local North Carolina, Virginia, and surrounding states area that we know of that is just absolutely balls fast and waxes everybody no matter where they go, and nobody can do anything about it. They're just that good. So <laughs> we go back and give we give you two uh, every week. One will be old and one will be new. Uh, so an old local legend that we will talk about this week will be the great Taylor Futurell. And <laughs> yes, man, that is a that is a that is a good one thrown out of the hat there. And Heavy D has a brand new one for the local legend segment here. Is going to be Absher Hall. And uh, mm -hmm. he will be our new one. So uh, we'll get to him here in a minute. But first, we're going to go to the old generation local legend. And we're going to talk a little bit about Taylor Futrell. Um. Man, I can't tell you. I mean, I want to say I want to say probably the first ever Devil's Ridge race I went to in 2001 or 2002. I'm sure I saw Taylor Futrell there. I didn't know him probably at the time, but I'm sure that he was you know, out there in the 80 class or whatever it was back then and I'm sure he was still hauling and I'm sure to this day I'm not sure exactly what Taylor does right now, but I'm sure he could hop on a dirt bike and still put in some solid solid lap times. Oh, 100%. Like, dude was an animal. Like, if there was a right, I remember, like, he was, lo I watched him a lot locally. But, dude, when I, like, when I first got into the moto scene and, like, I found out about, like, all nationals and what verb moto and stuff was, dude, he was, like, literally in every verb moto video on the amateur scene. Like oh seven, oh eight, oh nine, up until like oh nine, two thousand ten when he went pro, like yep. and probably before that. Yep. But he was always around. Yeah, and it was always a battle with him, uh, another local legend, PJ Larson, another local legend. I mean, there, there's, I, I mean, he had to go up against Stroop. He had to go up against uh, Larson. He had to go Les Smith. He had to race Jim Neese. I mean, I mean. Man, he he came up in that generation, and uh, I found a little bit of background. I did some digging, other than me knowing him as a local legend and just seeing him at Rolling Hills. And there's coming down through the tree section right before the uphill rollers that they used to have, the little sand rollers that they had. They, they had those two little singles before you took the right to hit the rollers, and Taylor would come down and he would make that those two singles a double. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, man, and at Lake or at uh, Birch Creek when they built down there in the snake pit, what they call it, that huge triple. He was one of the first riders to hit that. It was like 160 feet back in like 2007, 2008. Um, man, he was he was unbelievable. He won a title in 08, which was his only, which is his only unbelievable. It was his only Loretta's title that he ever Are got. You serious? I'm dead serious. It was 08 and I was I, I was no. looking I'm looking at the vault right now. Um and he started in 99 uh 51cc 7 to 8 uh on a cobra. Uh he finished 28th uh in 2002, he got 4th overall in 6510 to 11. Um in the 85s 
all the way until the 125 class from 2004 to 2006. His best finish overall was a fourth or was a second in 2006. Um, and then in 2008, yep, only one. Um, and the motocross A, which is the 450A class now, um, and he got first uh, in 08 and 09 was his last year in the uh, at Loretta's, and he finished second in 250A and twelfth uh, in the uh, 250A Pro Sport. And when he won the title in 2008, he won over riders like Tyler Wharton, uh, Low Spangler, Ben Lemay, Luke Vonlinger. Uh, hey, he beat Vince Freeze there, Mr. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to that here in a little bit. But, yeah, he beat Freeze, uh, D- uh, Dakota Kessler, Nick Hayes, uh, Josh Clark. Um, yeah, uh, Justin Weeks. There was a lot of guys that were in here that were really good. And, yeah, he won, uh, he won the title uh, that year in 08. And uh, 2009... Um, he, let's see, 2011 was when he was done racing professionally. He only did, um, professional for two years, 2009 to 2011. Yeah, he, uh, I mean, I always thought he kind of got shafted on not getting a deal. Just because, like, dude, he had the, one of the hardest errors of moto. Yeah, it, like comes to competition, and dude, he was still an animal. Like, what was it? I think oh nine. He he ripped off what fourth and two fifties in outdoors at Southwick. Uh, yeah. So in two thousand and uh, hold on, I have it written down here. And so this was his best finishes in Supercross and Motocross. So uh, in two thousand eleven, Jacksonville, he finished eighth. That was his best Supercross finish uh, ever. And in Southwick, 2009, must have been right after Loretta's, uh, his rookie year, he got fifth overall in the 250 class, or the uh, 125cc class, I guess what they called it. Well, oh, no. Wow. Okay. Well, no, it's a lights class. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, his rookie year, he finished fifth overall at Southwick. So, um, yeah, I, I remember watching that, too, because he was ripping. Oh man, he's so good at the at the like Ichikoni. I remember wa- going down there for like Loretta qualifiers and at Rolling Hills, like those sand tracks. Man, he was a menace. Man, he was unbelievable. And the speed that he had and the riders that he had to go through. I mean, in 2006, in his 125 uh, stock 12 to 15 class, uh, Tyler Wharton ended up getting the win over him. But Les Smith, uh, Smith, Tommy Week. Derek Rogers, Justin Weeks, um, Ben LeMay, Travis Baker, who ended up getting a factory ride, and Taylor Futrell didn't, which I thought was kind of which I thought was kind of old. Uh, before I talk smack here, okay, so Baker <laughs> did Baker did win in 2008. He won uh, Lights B modified, so he did win a title. But um, Futrell, I mean, I don't know, I. I felt like he could have gone so far, and I'm not sure exactly like what uh, what happened to make his uh, career come to a halt. But man, was he good back in the day! And oh, he was dude, everywhere. He was, he was everywhere. He was a he was an amateur phenom. Look, like dude, like 
that's why it was mind-boggling to me that he only won one Loretta's title. Because, dude, I'm sure he won it like he won Oak Hill, Lake Whitney. Um, God almighty. And that's why Loretta's so hard. Those three moto formats and the different times and the the heat, the weather, you know, you might get a mud moto and you you got to, you know, it rained a shit ton the night before and then all of a sudden you got a 7.30 a.m. or, you know, a.m. moto. You know, there's just so many wrenches that can be thrown in. But, yeah, to your point, he won all of the other amateur national titles and yeah, only one Loretta's world mini. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like minios, like he like he racked up and that's why I'm like I think that's why I feel like I mean don't get me wrong, a lot of guys like they do like it's it's crazy they base so much off Loretta's so like Instead of, like, the whole season. That's honestly what I was just getting ready to say, Heavy D. That literally, why do we make this sport so focused on one race when they race all year and they're almost racing the same kids that they're going to be racing at Loretta's because these top guys are going to these big races? So why don't we look at the sport as a whole instead of just one race for these amateurs? I never got that, Heavy D. Well, see that, and that's another point I want to make. That's why, and dude, nothing against training facilities at all. No shot. Like you, right. like you got to get out there and grind to be at the top of your game. Absolutely. But I feel like that's why local racing took a dive because in order to make you got these kids, their parents send them straight to a training facility, and they don't. Only thing they race areas, regionals, and. Some of the nationals through the year, like Daytona uh, and Freestone, and dude, that's it. Like they don't race hardly anything, and in my opinion, that has killed a bunch of the talent, man. Honestly, like you make a very good point that I've never thought of. That is a great point because I thought about it at one time because I've been to club, I've been to MTF, I've you know trained with Jim for a long time, so I've been through this, right? But when the one thing I learned from when I was at club and uh, MTF is that they're so focused on staying here and working and grinding, which is fine. I, I get that. I, I get that. But like we state over and over again, it is not bad for you to go these top guys and you know these top guys in the amateur scene and no, no hardship towards anybody or any anything, right? But I don't see why we put so much pressure on Loretta's and these big amateur nationals and why we just keep, you know, they're almost like professionals when they're like 13 and 14 years old. Yeah, like, and dude, like, that's why I was like, I know it's old, but that's why I feel like Shane, that year he did good at Loretta's. Don't get me wrong. He had Cooper, but Cooper was doing the same thing, even though he had a star ride. Dude, he raced. So, they both raced so much. Yep. I mean, so much. Dude, it was unreal. I mean, how he much would they come, that year. I mean, Shane would come, come and race. I mean, he would drive from club and come up to Muddy Creek just for a regular, you know, mega series, ultra series race. Oh, dude, I kid you not. I he, I'm sure. I'm almost 100 percent positive. He raced more than 20 local races that year. He went to Loretta's. And he got his truly deal. Not even joking. I'm a hundred percent positive he did. And 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 honestly, that probably helped him to that 
to that title because he had already had that race pace and race endurance underneath him. Oh, dude. Like, that's the thing. When you go race, like, you can practice all you want. Yep. I don't dude, I don't care who you are. You cannot get in a race mindset just practicing all the time. It's something I just – you physically cannot do. It is so hard to do. Like, you take somebody who hasn't raced all year, and yep. but they've rode and trained and trained, and you put them out there with somebody – they – mentally, you're not – you can't get that switch to click mentally. I, I just – like, I don't know if it was me. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, even though I raced, I wasn't that top-tier level. Right. But I feel like no matter where you are, that mindset is still kind of the same in there somewhere. It doesn't matter what class you're in. If 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 these kids that you're racing against, like, for example, I'm not going to name any riders, right? But there were times that I took breaks, you know, and I would come back, and the guys that I would normally beat on a weekend were beating me in it all because of endurance. They were able to last longer than I was. And that's because they stayed racing, stayed, you know, in the scene. They didn't go and hide, you know. They've been going to these local races, getting gate drops, you know. So, yeah, I, you know, before we go so far off topic, but, yeah, I I completely agree with what you say, Heavy D, that um, I wouldn't say maybe that they're not – I think it's 50-50. I think it's hurting – but it's also helping because you almost have to think like what we were talking about earlier with the transitions, like things have been happening so fast. And I think it's because everybody's learning so much from different people and the technology nowadays, the doctors, the, you know, all of this stuff, the trainers, you know, all of this stuff. And, you know, we're what, what would you say? Uh, MTF was probably one of the first big training facilities on the market, correct? Oh yeah. 100%, okay. Okay. 100%. So when, when do you think what year, the Barsha era, right? That was probably when MTF was was pretty much like, okay, this is the place to go for a training facility, probably 05. Well, here's what's funny, and a lot of people don't – I didn't even know this. Okay. But you know MTF started off – it was Davey, Jessica Patterson, Martin Davalos, and uh, Little Brian Johnson. Yes, and I – yeah, because I learned from Brian. Brian was my teacher when I went down there in 06. Yeah, so, like, it was surprisingly pretty big. But I think, and, and this is another thing, like, th this goes to show you how, even though it's off topic, how, how far social media goes. When Verb really hit, if it wasn't for that, yeah. And then being around one, but I don't think it would be as big as it is. Yeah, I, I think social media has definitely done a great deal of everything. I mean, you think, like, when my dad was looking for a 65 for me, because uh, after my first race, we took the bike home, and we didn't put it in the garage. Next thing, uh, my dad wakes up the next morning, the bike's gone out of the driveway. So my dad had to go and look in the n local newspaper for a dirt bike. You know, because our uh, Honda Suzuki of Samford or whatever it was, they didn't have any. So my dad had to lo go to the local newspaper to see if he could find stuff. And now it's two clicks on the Internet and you can find all the bikes you want. Just listen to this. this now, this is going to be mind boggling. All this, right. This is going to throw you for a loop. Wait, is this a is this a is this a heavy take here? Oh, yeah. No, this is this is a heavy. This is this is legit. Speaking of social, how big social media has gotten. When it comes to these facilities, okay, MTF, you could probably say was the number one. It, yeah, hands down, especially with it being first training facility out there. Right now, Instagram, 
They have 76,000 followers. Yeah. Club MX, 292,000. Yeah, because they because yeah, they do their social media so well and Mike Visor does so much for oh. them and he's so good. He's so Kills. good. He's so Kills. good. I I love his camera work, man, and I I wish that um you know, I know that his stuff is top quality and stuff and I can't wait until I can get to that point and and you know, be making videos and um you know, at Silver Valley, we're going to we're going to have uh I believe we're going to have one or two content creators from the area work for Imperative MX down there, um, which will be really cool. So we're going to have a lot of content for you guys. But yeah, like you said, the social media um, platforms have done so much. And uh, we're still talking about the local legend segment here on the Imperative MX podcast, episode number three. And uh, yeah, it's it's honestly unbelievable uh, the amount of growth that these training facilities, the popularity of them. I mean, I went to club in 2012, 2013, I want to say, for like one month. And, you know, it was pretty small back then still. You know, they had a handful of riders. They had really good riders there. So I got to learn a good amount in that one month. Um, but, yeah, it's it's crazy. And I, I believe you're right. I think, you know, 50-50, it helps and hurts the, the community um, because, yeah. because they're keeping them – so secluded and not taking them out to some of these local races and letting them get in that i mean you can almost i can almost play devil's advocate like here heavy d and i could say okay well these training facilities have the top guys in each class so it's like you know you are racing but man when you get to a track you get on the gate there's pressure it's you know, it's not just a regular day at MTF where if your lap times are off, you still have another day. No, it's it's today. And if yeah. you don't have oh, that yeah. race endurance and that race pace and you're, you know, comfortable with that pressure, you're not going to perform. Oh, dude, and, like, that, that's the thing, not to get off, you know, subject, but, like, dude, Taylor, for, I, he didn't do a training facility. All he did was ride and race. That's what I'm saying. He, he raced so freaking much, dude. Yeah. Like, all the time and i mean not to steer away from him like but that's like i was talking about logan best earlier baby troll yep dude the kid's unreal and and nothing against him like dude he's unreal his parents have done a hell of a job getting to where he is today and he's only going to get better yeah but i feel like if he raced more oh dude he would he would have an abundance of championships absolutely absolutely and i i I believe the same thing, man. And, I mean, you got to think about all of these dudes back in the day before this generation. I mean, that's all they did. They would go, you know, the guys in California would go and ride the hills. They would just go and ride their dirt bike, you know, yeah. all the time, anytime. It doesn't matter. I still think that for a, you know, we're we're getting off topic here again, but – you have to put in the work, but you also have to put in the racing time too. Not just to oh, practice what? racing the clock. I'm talking about gate drops. It doesn't matter if it's at a local event or if it's at Loretta's or if it's at a pro national. Like, oh, dude, get gate drops. Get some like gate my drops. Dad, my dad used to preach. There's no substitution for gate drops. Absolutely. Whatsoever. I remember, dude. I raced four times for the longest in a weekend. Yeah. Like you would have the old MX four two one one, which used to be Thunder Valley. Yep, dude, they would race every Friday night, and yep. I would go up there and race Friday night. 
go to Center Road when they still race Saturday morning. They would get done in, done in time enough for East Bend. I would go <laughs> race East Bend yep. that night. And then several times during older series, I went to Top Gun and Devil's Ridge to race Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there. it's it's honestly, it's crazy, man. It's I I I 100% agree with this this whole conversation. Um now I don't know if things are going to change or if it's going to get worse over time, but I but here on the Imperative MX podcast, we say that it doesn't matter if you're, you know, the top of your sport or, you know, whatever. I still think, you know, Cooper Webb, look at Cooper Webb. I mean, he, you know, he took the entire summer off because he wanted to relax and he wanted to go back to the reasoning uh, reasonings on why he loved moto so much. So that's why he went and did J days. That's why he went and went and did GNCC racing, why he went yeah. and did local racing. Like that proves a point right there that these dudes are so secluded in what they do that they don't even really have time to even have fun racing their dirt bike. Like sure. Yes. Racing on the weekend, seeing the fan interaction, dealing with the team. Sure. At times it's fun. Right. But Mm-hmm. You don't get to do anything else other than those pre those peer pressure situations of doing well at these races when, you know, Cooper Webb just went to local events and it doesn't care if he got smoked, you know? Exactly. He, so, yeah, but and, yeah, go ahead. But oh yeah, I was just saying like that that's why I think Portrayal was so good and and I know we're going to get to Absher Hall and and that's why I think that's why I got him as my local legend too once we get to that, but yeah, dude, it's it's crazy. Absolutely. No, you can go ahead and uh, and start uh, for our new generation local legend of the week. Last weekend, we had Dawson Cobb as the new, and we had uh, JT, Josh Thomas, uh, the local legend of the week last week. And this week for our old generation uh, on the local legend segment here on the Imperative MX podcast, episode number three, brought to you by West Virginia Motorsports, FXR, Silver Valley MX Park, Hydropower, and uh, the new sponsor, Dirt Industries, and we'll get into those ad reads here in a little bit and tell you more about those as well. So, uh, Asper Hall, tell me a little bit about him there, Heavy D. Yeah, like the absent man, the kid. Dude, the kid won't, he rips, but he, dude, he, it's crazy. He works hard. He don't even get to ride a lot. But, like, this weekend at the Bird Plastic, so... I'm announcing, you know, and uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, it's funny. I, I, you know, I got my announcer sheet and I'm naming off riders and, and I name them off. And like the first sets of motos, I'm naming them off. I'm like, okay, like he's not, or where's yet? Okay, probably a bike problem. Okay. Another moto goes by, name him off. He's not there. Like, all right, another moto goes by. He's not there. So comes out all of a sudden. I look and I see two six and I'm thinking, okay, like what happened there? Where? <laughs> so he goes out, he wins his moto. Like three, four motos later, motos later, again he's out front. I'm yeah. okay. So this, I'm thrown by this at this point. I'm like, all right. So he just like did he just sit out the first motos? Was he chilling? Like his bike wasn't right. So <laughs> like we get done, you know and. Uh, I ride, I'm riding around cause I, I'm about to leave and I see his grandpa out there, uh, Mr. Noah working on his bike and uh buddy, our buddy Tyler Barton, they were sitting there, you know, chatting it up. So I'll go over to him and I'll just holler at him. And as soon as I get over there, he's like talking about football. <laughs> so 
I'm like, all right. I was like, yo, is is that Jar? He was like, oh yeah, we was at a football game. What? I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, all right. And then he's like, tell me, he's I'm hearing him talk more. We chatted up, and he's talking about this kid getting leveled, like knocking a center down. I'm like, hold on. I was like, he was like, yeah, dude, abs. He like leveled this kid, so he was like, he's busting through the middle, and they start chopping him. I was like, wait a minute, he played a football. He was like, yeah, he plays football. I was like, wait a minute, like today? He was like, oh yeah. Like we we had we that's why we weren't here. We was at a football game. Stop. I was like, you mean to tell me y'all come all the way from Rutherford County playing football and still came and raced this? And won. And won? Oh my gosh. Like, that's enough for me right there. Yep, that's the local legend right there. <laughs> that is enough for me. <laughs> Two Man. sports in one day. Dude, one day I'm talking about out here leveling kids like, like there's no other nobody's business, and he comes and races a dirt bike. Like gets on gear for football, like two totally separate things. I'm thinking, man, you should be tired right now. You just got done hitting kids, like, and getting hit. Oh man, those those fruity pebbles with that high octane is really getting to these kids heavy D. Oh dude, and and it was he won a moto at Loretta's. Like yeah. he races our local series a pretty good bit. Like you know it, it like he goes and races like everywhere right literally so i know like i was talking to him earlier this year his uh his grandpa when we was at kathy's and uh he was ripping dude i was like you know i was like you know do you guys make it to loretta's he's like yeah yeah he did and i was like dude i'm not gonna lie by the way he's riding i was like man he he could probably go out there and win that thing he was like and his dude, that's what i like about mr no like mr no is honest dude like right he keeps it 100 like like the nicest dude but 100 like Full Old Testament, like he's gonna give it to you straight up, right? And he's like, Absher's got a good foundation with him and the whole family behind him. And he yeah. was like, realistically, he was like, I think we can top five. Yeah, he was like, it depending on where his head's at and how he's riding, right? And dude, the kid went out there and won a moto, unbelievable. So, I mean, to me, that's more than enough. Like he's he's already solidifying his spot without a doubt from football. To motocross, moto wins, Ashper Hall, local legend of the week. Right there. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, so, yeah, that does it for the local legend segment here on the Imperative MX podcast, episode number three. Taylor Futrell for the old generation and Ashper Hall for the new generation. We have to give a huge shout out to Hydropower. Hydropower is a formula is formulated by a sports nutritionist himself to help you get rid of arm pump and increase your endurance so you can ride safer and faster out there on the track. And Heavy D, I finally got it in the mail. Oh, uh, did you get it? I got it. But the thing is, is that I'm not going to be trying it until I get down there on Friday to where I can make a video uh, down there. So. Uh, next week's episode, I will be talking to you guys about the flavor, about how it helped uh, with my arm pump, because I'm going to try it before I go out and race on Sunday. I'm going to drink it throughout the weekend. I'm going to let some people try it, test it, uh, that sort of thing, so that I can give you all of the details, because we don't bring sponsors on board unless they're willing to help and uh, you know keep riders out there uh, safely and uh, fastly for the most part. So exactly. make make sure to go and check out drinkhydropower.com. Go and check out their reviews. They have 
uh, thousands of reviews that are 4.5 stars and above. Uh, make sure to go and check out their interactive website right now, drinkhydropower.com, to get your new flavor, Blue Raz, today. And uh, Heavy D, I'm not going to lie, I opened up the box and I just wanted to smell to see if I could smell anything. And I tell you what, I think, uh, I think that is going to be an amazing flavor and I can't wait to try it. Uh, this coming weekend at the Lake Sugar Tree 20th Annual Halloween Bash. So uh, I got to get you some hydropower, uh, Heavy D. Gotta yeah, let you... I might need some for this uh, blade hand over here. Um, we're going to see, though. You know, it, we're going to see if it makes you pull your vet card or not. There pull you the go. Card. There you go. Yeah, uh, arm pump is ridiculous for myself at 30 years old or almost 30 years old. So uh, hopefully that it helps – uh, that aspect, and I believe that it will, especially from all of the uh, reviews that I've read online and uh, a lot of the videos. And if you want to go and check out their TikTok, Garrett, who is the owner um, for the company, does a lot on TikTok. So make sure to go and check them out at Hydropower on TikTok or Drink Hydropower on Instagram. Just go and check out their social medias, look at the reviews, check out their interactive website. And, uh, yeah, go and check out Hydropower right now. And uh, we're going to bring in our new sponsor on board as well. It is Dirt Industries. And I got to thank Heavy D for bringing them on board. And uh, we needed some banners for the Silver Valley race coming up. And I did not have a connection for that. And Heavy D came through. And so did the people at Dirt Industries willing to help us out. And, uh, yeah, from Rayford, North Carolina, Dirt Industries, uh, over 10 years, they have designed, manufactured, and marketed the highest quality dirt bike graphics and decals to the motocross and consumer markets. Their high quality decals and deals are considered uh, by many to be the best in the industry. If you would like to get your graphics looking top notch, go no further than Dirt Industries. So make sure to go and check out www.dirtindustriesgraphics.com. And I cannot wait. Heavy D, we've been getting little snippets of what the banners are going to be looking like, and I'm telling you what, they are looking fresh from the uh, individuals over there at Dirt Industries. Oh, yeah, dude. They they kill it. I mean, banners. I mean, they do vehicle wraps, jersey IDs. like Trailer dude, wraps. Like, anything. Oh, dude, they are. They're top-notch over there. I mean – Neil, he he gets on, he he designs, he kills. Ashley, she gets on the kill uh, keyboard, yep. and uh, she, you know, she 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 mocked up, designed that banner, and dude, they got a they got a good they got a good thing going over there, you know, and that's why I got them in touch with you because they've always done great work for me, dude. Anything I needed, even my parents with their trucking company, yep, like anything they need, they've always been there, been on it, and they are good working with, especially customer service. Customer service is a one over there. And I'm telling if you need graphics, jersey ID kits, wraps, anything like that, banners, go look them up. Even on Instagram, DR Wraps, uh, Dirt Industries Wraps Graphics, or Dirt IDs, go check them out. And I'm telling you, like, you will not be disappointed in them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we're going to be getting uh, some Suzuki graphics here uh, soon from them as well. So that will be uh, that will be good. That will be here in the future. But yeah, go and check out DirtIndustriesGraphics.com from Rayford, North Carolina. So you know they're local and they're willing to support the industry and, uh, you know, companies like us to bring you all the local racing action and all of the local uh, events uh, going on. So... Next, we are going to get into the Silver Valley MX Park uh, details coming up two weekends away. 
It is going to be November 3rd through the 5th. It's going to be a full weekend. I'm getting down there on Thursday. Um, I may try to come down actually Wednesday night because I want to try and do a little teaser video that will be coming out. So I may get down there a little early. Uh, Heavy D, try to get down there to my dad's house, which uh, is not very far from the track. So that's very convenient for myself. But, yeah, I'm looking, uh, looking very forward to it. And uh, the details are... Uh, absolutely insane for this thing heavy d oh yeah absolutely you know i'll be down there i'll be down there thursday morning doing some uh track work you know get ready absolutely but it's gonna be dude it's gonna be epic absolutely. it is gonna be so epic i yeah, can't wait i'm i'm absolutely ready me and you for the whole weekend uh imperative mx uh ab $20,000 on the line. So if you think that you are the best A or B rider and you want to come for your chance per moto, 20 minute plus one lap motos, you get paid every moto. $20,000 on the line, Heavy D. Oh, yeah, dude. It's, oh, man. You know, I've been, even at Verb, you know, Verb, I was chatting up with some guys like, you know, dude, y'all need to come to this. You need to come to this. Like, I, I call it the only local national there is. That's that's what I'm calling it. The only local national there is. Because there will be nothing like it. I'm not even joking. Like, I cannot wait. Like, I want to see. I'm hoping these I'm, these teams that got these up-and-coming kids, like Deegan and stuff like that, and the ones they don't want to release yet, let them come out. Yep. Dude, like, don't don't keep them cooped up like that. If you want to see how ready they are, don't try to hate on the local competition. Like, you know, don't, don't, no shots, but don't be on a high horse. Yep. Like, there's going to be some fast dudes there. Yes. I don't want to hear the excuse, well, he can't get hurt before Supercross or, or before this or before that. Dude, it could happen anywhere. It could happen as soon as he threw a leg over a bike. No yep. shots fired. Wouldn't want any, like, anything like that to happen. But, Get out there and race, dude. Come race. Come come see where you stack up against these dudes. If you beat them, oh, well, it is what it is. Right. But if you don't, you don't. Yep. And come it's Come race. Good come, practice. Come the, yes. Good good testing for the motorcycle because the track's going to get rough. It's going to have a lot of ruts, a lot of big jumps, long motos. So I do not see a reason why nobody would want to not come uh, to oh. this event. The local I national. See, I, I want to see, you know, Baby Troll, Caden Braswell. I mean, heck, even Noah Stevens, Brock Walk, all those dudes that was there, come on out. Yep. You know, even somebody else like Trevin Nelson. I'm pretty sure we'll see Rob Bell, the people's champ, Matt Burkeen. Yep. Like, all, let them, I want to see them duke it out and throw down for 20 minutes yeah. at the local national, son. And why not? Why not? Yeah, I want I want that gate completely full, and uh, yeah, if you're from the surrounding area, states, all the way from California, if you want to come from Germany, uh, you can come to the local national in uh, uh, Silver Valley MX Park, uh, North Carolina. It's going to be absolutely phenomenal. Friday, they're going to have uh, practice from 10 to 3. At 5 p.m., they're going to have the pit bike race. Um, it's a $10 entry. You run what you have. It's fun for kids. Uh, at 5.30, we're going to have the, wisp, uh, the whip contest. There's going to be two jumps. 
three three runs, um, and that is going to be phenomenal, Heavy D. And I know that you build the uh, you know big booters, so I know that uh, I know that they're going to be sending them up pretty high. So you can do oppos, you can do you know your regular scrub whips. So it's going to be good. Oh, it's going to be. It's gonna be something special in Big Thad's country. I'm telling you, I I cannot wait. I know I said it a lot, but I mean, it is my it's my favorite race, and I've had some favorite races in the past. Don't get me wrong, and you know, like the Hawk Heaven Pro Shootout used to be one of them. Yep. The Bird Classic now is one of them, and it's ones I, I look forward to. But it's like this one. It's like you in your home state. You got the sickest track in your home state. Yep. That is national caliber, national caliber, hands down. It, it it probably should be a national, like without a doubt. Sure. And you have the biggest event of the year that's local here. And you got 20 grand on the line to get some of the baddest A&B riders around, even outside of our region to come do it. it is, I mean, come on, man. It, that, that's enough right there. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, they're gonna have the whip contest, so bring your best whips. Uh, they have a cornhole tournament, uh, twenty-five dollar team entry. Uh, they're gonna have live music from Zach Heron, um, and then Saturday they're gonna have eight a.m. practice and then nine a.m. race. And uh, the gates will drop, and we will see who comes out victorious in this uh, twenty thousand dollars Silver Valley MX Park shootout. Um, that is going to be coming November 3rd through the 5th. So we got two two more big weekends of racing. And uh, Silver Valley is going to be one of them that you do not want to miss after the Lake Sugar Tree Halloween Bash. Uh, Imperative MX will be there. Heavy D will be there. Myself. It's going to be it's going to be awesome. And it's going to be really cool to have everybody there and to s- speak with everybody. And uh, plenty of content creation to come from that uh, as well. So we're both super stoked about that. Um, anything else on the Silver Valley MX Park, uh, Heavy D? Hey, I mean, what, what, what can you say? Uh, I mean, heck, the only look, pop out and get left out. How about that? There you go. Pop out and get left out. The only local national. The one and only local national. The one and only local national, and there'll be really fast uh, kids down there. I know that we talk about the twenty thousand uh, dollars race a lot, uh, and that that's all well and good. But we want the minis to show up too. We want you know we want the sixties and eighties and all the way up. We want everybody to uh, to come on board and uh, to have us uh, come out for a great weekend of racing there. So. Um, oh, absolutely. You know, we want to see the little dudes come out. We want to see them duke it out as well. I mean, that's why I think they do it. Like, I think it's good for the younger generation to look at these dudes and see, like, hey, I want to be there one day. I'm going to be there one day. Absolutely. And there's going to be professionals there that, you know, Matt Burkeen, Rod Bell, there's going to be others that are going to, you know, show up that we don't even know of yet until we get there. So, uh, yeah, make sure to be there. Silver Valley MX Park, the local national, um, yeah, or get left out, pretty much. What was your saying there, Heavy D? Pop out or get left out. And that's it. Uh, it's uh, super awesome uh, to see the support and um, from everybody uh, from this podcast, and uh, we are so glad to be here for episode number three of the Imperative MX Podcast, bringing you all of the local 
motocross action uh, from all the way back till right now. So um, next, we're going to get into a little bit of uh, professional talk there, Heavy D. And uh, this is going to be, this is going to be, um, or wait, WSX. I said that right, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, and uh, yeah, so the last race just ended in Australia for the for the second round of this pilot series, and uh, Ken Roxon rocks uh, walks away as the champ, and uh, the local legend himself, Shane McArath, comes away with that SX2 250 class championship, and I'm so happy for Shane, especially for the years that he's had since getting on the 450. Um, it's it's honestly awesome to see that he was able to walk away with this world championship. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I, he he worked for dude, and honor, he deserved it. Not saying anybody else didn't, but like, dude, I I was pumped to see him do it. Like, especially with the backing, you know, the whole Rick Ware team. Like, dude, that was that that was sick. He 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 really deserved that when he worked for it, and I'm pumped he got it. You know, the local kid bringing another championship or his first championship back. So, what can you say? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Ken Roxon ends up getting the title um, in that World Supercross, the uh, SX1 uh, class. And uh, there was a little bit of controversy. He had a flat tire in the second race, and uh, he was actually in third going into the final race. And uh, the two people that were out front was Freeze and Brayton over Ken Roxon going into the third main. But sure enough, right off the the start, uh, Mr. Freeze decided to take a right. (laughs) When the turn was a left, um, and took himself and Brayton out. Um, I've watched it multiple times. I saw him, you know, I've seen, I've, I saw the head look over. He saw JB. He knew what situation he was in. He just needed to beat JB. Even if Roxon won and Vince got second, he would have won over, you know, over that. Uh, but yeah, I don't. Man, it was uh, uh, it was just another earthquake that happened uh, with Vince Freeze there, Heavy D. Yeah, so I want to, I want to, I want to hear, I want to hear your take because, okay, so before we even, before we even start, I need to give my background and my opinion on Vince Freeze. So I like, I like him. Or, um, okay, so maybe I don't like him as much as like some of these other guys, right? But I'm okay with Vince. As far as a, as far as a off the track person, and his riding ability is is, are obviously top notch because he's racing you know professionally right. So I can't knock his talent. I can't knock his riding ability or anything. The only thing I don't like is just when he puts on his helmet and he just does some stuff like this, whether it be to Pike, whether it be to Craig, Brayton. I mean, I don't know, uh, Heavy D. I mean, help help me help me exp- realize what is going on uh, inside of Vince Vince Freeze's head uh, here, Heavy D. Help me out. <laughs> okay, I I try to now, mind you, everybody knows I love Freeze. Like Freeze is my dude. Yep. I I know I personally know JB like uh, good like. 
he I know him tremendously well. Like I grew up around him. Right. In the JGR days. So like he's my guy. Right. And nothing against JB. I just try to look into situations a little deeper. Now, okay. as far as this whole getting paid situation or whatever to take him, I hadn't read any of that or seen any of that. But how I look at stuff and even for me, like looking at that situation, for one, I've always in my mind, the first the start is fair game. All I've always had it in my mind. Start is fair game. Like I've always been a bigger dude. I pumped a lot of kids because I was a bigger dude off the start. So I never really got tested off the start like this. And mind you, this is a different situation. Yes, granted. But I've watched it over and over and over. And my perspective on it. Now, mind you, I feel like JB may be coming after him because of situations like Craig and Pike like that. And the whole Pike thing, yeah, I agree. That probably wasn't the smartest decision. I can I, I can attest to that. Right. And my take on the Craig situation is like I feel he was going for the pass, but I don't think he was intentionally trying to hit him. He he it looked like he tried to lock it down at the last minute because it was one of those situations where he's racing hard, but I think he noticed Craig wasn't going to back off. So he locked it down, but it was by then it was too late. Like yep. Craig hit I like I guess in his mind, in any fast guy's mind, if you're fast and you're about to make a pass, they okay, you need to let me by. Right. And me personally, that's not how I think. If I can stay close to you, I'm going to race you as hard as I possibly can. Absolutely. Now, mind you, I would have probably made a decision like that. Granted, I've never did that, but it was one of those incidents. Like, Free was up front. He was racing to be up front. Hey, he was doing what he could, and it just it, it went it went south. In this situation, I feel like he came off the start. I don't think he was intentionally gunning for Brayton. I think he seen he could duck under a little more, even though he was beat off the start. And that corner was slick, and he gassed on it. But if you look at that, it, they were both screwed from jump, no matter what. Because look at the two out front. They got pushed to the left. And when they did, Brayton and Freeze were both right there. So when Freeze backed off, the bike was spinning to the side. So, you know, from riding experience, if you're flat tracking and if you let off when you got that bike under a, a good load, it's going to stand up and push you to the opposite side. Yeah. And I, it kind of did that. So he looked over and he seen him and he was screwed by then. It was like it was over by then. But, yeah. I mean, he, he kind of had a wheel on Brayton per se. Right. But if you look at those two, they came over. He was cut off. So when he got cut off, they took his front wheel. He was going to hit Justin Brayton regardless. Yeah. I don't think he was just intentionally gunning for him. He was, Brayton was, uh, he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Like, and he just happened to get claimed by Freeze. Like, he was like, he launched his bike into me. Yeah. I feel like. Go ahead. No, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just, I was just going to say, like, it just seems like it happens to Vince all the time. Like, just these, like, I know that he's not meaning to, right? Like, he's not going in there to try to kill people, but there's just so many instances where this stuff happens, and we don't really understand why. Or, you know, he says that he doesn't mean to, right, but it just happens over and over and over again every single year. And I get that you're racing hard and, you know, all of this other stuff, but 
man, we just, I, like, almost kind of like a Barsha. It's like, man, we're just seeing this over and over and over again, and we're hearing the same things over and over and over again, you know? So it's like, it's hard. It's either you're you're with them or you're against them, and that's that's kind of my opinion on Vince. And other than, you know, the times that he hits people, he's fine, right? But just those just those weird things that that happen to happen it just it just makes his uh value go down i feel like and it and it's unfortunate oh uh, yeah i mean it's it, it it is one of those things it's like it happened and don't get me wrong it's like since it even when it started with that incident with with pipe it's like now like if if anybody gets into it they're going to point the finger at him i mean yeah. don't get me wrong like and that the pie whole pie thing like <laughs> i mean it was what it was like yeah, yeah i mean i could probably say i'm not gonna sit here and say he wasn't like trying to take him out but i mean he like pike left the door open so he went in there and like they it was just it, it was what it was yeah, like yeah. i mean it proves in the pudding there but like this whole ordeal i think and Brayton says he's dumb but i mean and I've been around JB a while. It ain't gonna be no convincing him otherwise. Like, and I think what's even harder, I think this was his, this is going to be his last year. I think he's pretty much done after this. I, I think he's probably going to retire. So, like that was his opportunity to get a, a championship. You know, with everything that went down with Roxon. Yeah. And so it, it got threw away right there. So, I mean, he's gonna. It, it's just gonna be Vince's fault to the end. Like. Yeah. No matter what you say, but I just look at it differently. I just say, like Vince, he tried to squeeze up. If he, he he tried to squeeze up the inside, and he pushed, and when he did, Brayton was still coming coming to the inside as well. And it was one of those things like Brayton's going with the natural flow of the track. Freeze was, and he was in a flat track, and he let off, and it stood up, and he tried to slow down, but he was like he it was going to be a shit situation, no matter how, in my opinion, no matter how you look at it. So. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I I feel like sometimes these dudes get caught up in their emotions too much instead of going to talk to them and be like, hey, like, I don't think he's trying to cry wolf. He's just racing hard. And it was a, a shit situation. Like, yeah. I mean, I've, n- I mean, I'm not naming any names, but I've dealt with it here locally, you know, even with parents. And, and I like, I tell them, like, look, instead of crying wolf or getting mad, Go go deal with the situation. Go talk to that other parent. Go yeah. talk to him first before you blow up and get mad. Like yeah, or come to me. You, yeah, yeah. Go go see. And if you don't get the outcome you're looking for, then you know what kind of person you're dealing with. Right. But don't don't jump to a conclusion. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like because it's a lot of race events that can happen, and, and hell, they could be prevented. I mean, even the Craig situation. He. If you know, like, and this is my thing, if you know somebody is like this, why are you going to hang on the throttle? I, I guess the only thing I can think of is that he thought that he had enough momentum around the outside to where he could just hold it, um, you know, underneath that little stadium part where they went around the sand. Uh, the only thing I could think is is that realistically he thought he was going to the inside because Vince was on the left side, and then kind of all of a sudden he went to the right, and yeah, I saw him lock on the brakes because he was like, "Oh shit, you know, I'm really, I'm really gonna hit him. Like, I'm really, really gonna hit him, you know." But I'm not. I, I mean, I get racing hard. I, I get it. But 
man, there's just it just happens too often, and it's almost like, and I can see it from a, a rider's standpoint. Like, I can see that the riders are frustrated with Barsha. I can see that they're, you know, frustrated with uh, Freeze. I can, I can understand it because I have been in those situations in arena cross, especially where you know that you're faster than this dude, but especially in arena cross, I mean, they will hit you in every single oh. corner. It doesn't matter, you know? And I like that type of stuff. And we never went in the T-bone action. Um, maybe one time I got a little, I got yeah, a little carried away one time, uh, but, <laughs> but for good, but for good measures, uh, Har Harvey over there that was running the AMA and running the, uh, the, uh, all of that good stuff. He was a good guy, but regardless of the fact, um, it, before we get, I mean, you know, because we don't want to ramble on too much about this, but I mean, just at the end of the day, it just happens too much, and it's almost like I understand your point of view because you're a fan, right? And I and I um, and I'm okay with your, I mean, not okay, right? Like, but uh, I agree with your opinion, you know, and it's you know, and it's a good opinion, and I completely understand that. But for me, I've just seen it so many times, and it's just like, man, I just want them to, I just want them to race, you know. I just want them to race good. Like if, like if you do a little bump or whatever, that's fine, right? But just it just seems like every single time that he bumps a rider, that rider ends up getting taken down, and it doesn't. It, oh. and and it just and it's like I get the whole where you're coming from of racing hard and all of that. A little bumping and banging is not a bad thing, but for some reason with Vince Freeze, it just happens to always be a takeout of some way, oh. shape, or form. And it, and I think that that's where the riders are being frustrated at. Like if he was a rider that was just an aggressive rider and not not so much taking people down in the process then I think that we would probably all have a, a, a probably a better outlook uh, as a whole towards Vince Freeze unless you're you know a big supporter like uh, like you are and I'm not knocking you for it you know but like yeah that's kind of that's kind of where I'm 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 at with Vince Freeze but yeah you can't you knock know, his talent you know he's he rides a dirt bike hell way faster than I can so but, I mean, I try to look at it from all angles, not just, you know, a fan. Don't get me wrong, I'm a huge fan. Like, that's my guy. But, I mean, and I'm not even being biased. I mean, but just looking at it from my point of view, because I'd say I'm way closer to JB than I am to Vince Freeze, right. like, without a doubt. But I just feel like, especially in the whole motocross community, if you think about this, and, it, it, and a lot of people don't, Look at the LCQ. Those dudes fucking destroy each other. Yes, Excuse sir. Yeah. But nothing is ever said. Like, dude, nothing. And but I think it's because it's get, not the top riders. But when they get in the main event, like, all of a sudden it's a problem. Like, that's, to me, that's too much gray area, man. That's like, it's it can't be. If it's going to be a standard, it should be across the board. It shouldn't be, okay, you can fucking obliterate somebody in the LCQ, but if it happens in the main, oh, it's, it's, it's not good. Yeah, and, and I feel like, I mean, dude, we can we can go into this topic too. I feel like the AMA and, you know, the people that are putting the, um, you know, the, uh, what's the right word I'm looking for, the punishment for these mm -hmm. actions, I feel like it is so rider-favorited and team favorited, and I feel like we never have a like a standard for this is what happens when you do this, this is what happens when you do that. It feels like it changes all the way around the board. Like this year, we saw points get taken away, we saw money get fined, 
You know, yeah. and, and all of them were around the same, you know, and the Barsha takeout on Ferrandis at Bud's. I mean, yeah. dude, like, it's, it's, it depends on the rider. It really does. And then, and then, from what I can tell, in my opinion, that it is favoritism. And if these money, you know, and these teams are talking, you know, with money, they, you know, they're there, you know, and they have a say <laughs> in things. So if they think it's a little ridiculous, they'll let them know. And then they may will go back and be like, yeah, yeah okay, all right, you're probably right. All right, instead of a $10,000 fine, we'll give you a $2,500 fine and we won't take any points away. Or we'll take five or ten points away at the at the next race. It do, it doesn't make any sense. No. That's just like, and don't get me wrong, I love Zach, but the year, and, and granted, in my opinion, Savachi shouldn't have been there in the first, he, like, he, he had a clear, and I'm not knocking Savachi, like, it was what it was. He was just trying to get the championship. Yep. But look when Zach came back and obliterated him. For the title. Do you remember? Yeah, for the title. I mean, obliterated him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He and was wide open through those happened? whoops. Dude, I'm talking about ru- drug my guys shit through the mud. Oh, my gosh. That was that was probably honestly one of the craziest main events ever because I will say right now, as soon as Osborne went down in that first turn, I was like, bro, this sucks. This is over for him. And then I'd say about halfway through, I was looking at the live timing and scoring, and every single lap he was green by like a second and a half or two seconds. I'm like, no way. No way yeah. this is going to happen. Like, bro, I have chills just talking about it because, dude, I remember exactly where I was that day. I, Dude, I remember everything about that day because, dude, that was such a monumental. Like, I don't mean to get off topic, but, but, uh, but yeah, like the fine was different for that. And then if you and then if you go to, you know, the next weekend, if they had another weekend past Vegas and somebody did that in the LCQ, there would be no fine. Oh, dude. There'd be nothing. What about 2009 when Reedy tried to take Stu out? Oh, yeah. In the in the big sweeper. It's like, like, dude, come on. You, oh, in Atlanta? Oh, in Atlanta? Yeah, yeah no. and no fine. No, no, no. In oh. Vegas. Oh, Vegas. oh, oh, in Vegas, yeah. When uh, oh, and Reed, uh, that was the year that Reed was on the uh, on the banana on the Suzuki, and yeah, uh, he and put he knocked Stu Plum. He tried to take him out, but he took a like he knocked him off the track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. That was the same year that uh, that Reed put his hands around uh, James's neck. <laughs> <laughs> that was oh, that, that, that. <laughs> But I mean, dude, it's like. You can't, like, everybody, okay, in my opinion, everybody says it happens too often. But, dude, that year, Stu and Reed went at it so hard, and they was killing each other. But it wasn't a problem. No fines, no nothing. And they they just blew it up. They blew it up, and they made money off of it. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, honestly, like, people can say what they want about Vince, and people may hate him. But, dude. I guarantee you people show up to a Supercross just to see what's going to happen with him. Oh, absolutely. You know, if if they know that Vince is racing and obviously he's going to make the main, what kind of chaos can he throw in here? You know? Like, I mean, I mean, I, mean, so I don't, like, I don't mean that. I don't mean that as like that's exactly what he's doing every single time, right? But Oh, like, no. But you know what I'm saying. Like, people are going to be like, oh, uh, Vince Freeze is here. We know what happened last year in 2022. That sort of thing. So, what will happen this time? You know. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, but we'll get off the JB and Vince Freeze talk because I feel like we could go into that uh, so much farther. But um, talking about WSX and professional talk here on the Imperative MX podcast, episode number three, brought to you by Motors or uh, West Virginia Motorsports, uh, Hydropower, Silver Valley MX Park, the new sponsor, Dirt Industries, and uh, FXR. Uh, thank you so much for those sponsors being on board and uh, more talk here about the professional side of the sport of motocross here on the Imperative MX podcast. But um, yeah, Kenny took home the title. Um, as far as this pilot season, from what I've heard, read, seen, the riders were not very fond of the tracks. Uh, there was a lot of flats that were going on this past weekend. Did you see Derek Drake's crash over the finish line because of a flat tire? Oh, no, no, I didn't see Oh, my see that. gosh, dude. He got a flat right as soon as he was get, about to hit that metal ramp and at it last second, he realized that he couldn't hit it. And so, dude, he went right off off of it and just landed straight on his feet. Oh, wow. Oh, dude, it was, it was not good. Um, Roxon got a flat. Uh, there were other riders uh, that got a flat. There was a lot of chaos, short racing, short turnaround time. Um, I don't know. What do you? Uh, I don't know. I think I. I think honestly, I'm gonna have to see what next year brings with a full season and see what kind of different dirt and stuff. Because I'm not gonna lie, the dirt was not good at these events, and the riders say so themselves. Yeah, it's man. It's it's a fine line when you get to doing indoor stuff and i think it's a lot different overseas as far as how they you know them hauling dirt in and how much they need because you could tell like in america and even as far as gp stuff the prep is completely different it's not even the same like you know over here they bring enough dirt into where it develops ruts it takes it takes a bit to get down to the base the hardboard in the stadium but like there dude it was like it was hard blue groove from jump. It was it so, was it was West Coast California type practice track almost. Like, I mean, I'm sure those guys liked. I mean, not liked it, but they were used to it just because they're so used to those blue groove tracks over there. No offense to the you know track pepper or any or these tracks or whatever. Right? I'm just going by what I see and what uh, the riders speak on. So, um, yeah, I mean, you got to think. You know, Feld and you know AMA Supercross here has been going to these stadiums, the same stadiums for, for, you know, 40, 50 years. Right. And they know the dirt. They know where exactly where it's coming from. They know what events are using this dirt. And now this world supercross is going to have to be going to these different places where they're going to have to be getting dirt from places they don't know. Right. They don't know what kind of prep or anything that they do for them, where it's stored at. It could be just outside chilling with all, you know, mother nature doing whatever she wants to do with it. Right. Or is it enclosed like, you know, what Feld does for each of their monster trucks that they use the same dirt as the monster trucks for these Supercross events. So they know what they're getting right off the bat. And at these World Supercross events, I think that is going to be one of the hardest parts is trying to figure out the dirt situation and all of that and going to these different countries and and stuff like it they're gonna have their hands full uh here but the one thing that i'm very proud of and that i will never ever ever knock is that these riders and these teams are finally getting some money that they are uh you know getting you know getting their worth out of this sport right now especially with these two series throwing up this much money oh absolutely 
100%. You know, honestly, I couldn't agree more with you on that. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, you agree with the with the dirt situation that I was speaking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's going to take some time to, to, to figure out, but, I mean, if they could – I mean, if that was – honestly, if that was really the only complaint, and I, I hate that Drake got hurt, you know what I mean? I hate to see anybody get hurt. Yeah. But if that was the only complaint, and for the first year doing the series, they're not doing too bad, in my opinion. No, and apparently the crowd was uh, the crowd was good. They they want to make it a show, right? Like the SX Global Australian uh, Oz uh, X Open Series uh, promoters are the ones that do the World Supercross, and uh, they always do a phenomenal job with the Australian series and the other series that they go to with a great phenomenal show, along with the racing. Um, and it seems like. From what I heard from the first round uh, that was in Wales or Cardiff until now, which was what, like a two-weekend gap because they had straight rhythm in, in between. So right. um, they actually implemented a lot. And instead of the short uh, turnaround times that they had, they actually made them have a little bit more of a break. So that was good. Um, I heard that they have been changing things. So I think next year, I think with this pilot season – they have a notepad just like I do where I wrote down where I write down all my notes and things that I think about and I'm sure for next year they'll they'll have it better planned uh, I, I shouldn't say better planned out because I feel like this year was actually pretty pretty solid for the first pilot year so um yeah I I'm just gonna have to see what happens uh, in the future but it was really cool I feel like they need to get some more top riders um, it, the, the sport is better if Kenny won. Right than Justin Brayton or Vince Freeze. No offense to them. Justin Brayton even said it himself. The sport is better if Ken Roxon would have won, but it would have been good if Brayton or Freeze would have won. You know, for the Moto Concepts team. But regardless, we need to have we need to have top, more top tier riders. I think for this thing to really really escalate because if you have just that one rider like Ken Roxon that can just beat everybody, it's gonna be really hard to sell sell tickets. I mean, maybe not because you know Turkey may have not seen Ken Roxon since he was 14 years old, you know, racing Jeffrey Hurlings on a 250. So maybe I could see that they're still going to sell tickets, but I'm sure by the second year, you know, people aren't going to want to go and see just Ken Roxon win. So. Oh, yeah, 100%. So, uh, but regardless of the fact, it was cool to see Shane, the local legend himself, uh, get the victory. That was so cool. I'm so proud for Shane. I know that uh, Heavy D is as well. And, uh, yeah. Honestly, honestly phenomenal um, from the professional side. And there is honestly a lot to talk about. And I think as now that the local events are going to start uh, slimming down, especially after the Silver Valley MX Park, we're going to have a lot of more professional talk to get into as far as what things are going to happen with next year and what our opinions are for next year for Supercross, Motocross, the Super Motocross, uh, WSX, MXGP, um, anything that we know, uh, we're going to get into once, uh, some of the local scene starts dying down a little bit for the winter and we can, uh, start getting ramped up for 2023 on the Imperative MX podcast. This is episode number three. And the last topic that we are going to get into is, uh, we're going to answer some Imperative MX social media questions, uh, from our social media. So make sure to go and check out our, um, social media, Facebook TikTok, Instagram will be all in the description here on uh, YouTube. And if you are on Spotify listening, we appreciate you. And make sure to go and check out our social medias, um, Imperative MX, on all platforms. So, um, 
one of the questions that I received, uh, and one of the only ones, so if you want to be featured on the Imperative MX podcast, make sure to look on Tuesdays for our post with our talking points. Um, and if you have a question, it doesn't matter what it is, uh, you may comment and you could be featured here on the Imperative MX podcast. Um, Wade, my buddy that actually does uh, some of the banner work for me uh, for the uh, social medias for Imperative MX. I appreciate him for doing that. But uh, he asked, I'm curious to know if you think two strokes are making a comeback in the amateur local scene. And if so, do you think more fan uh, manufacturers will start making time again uh, or making them again? Uh, hope to make the cast. Well, Wade, you made the cast. And... <laughs> um. To answer your question, yes, I do believe that the two strokes are making a comeback. I I, uh, I hear a lot of people talking about that they're going to go and buy two strokes because they want to have it as a fun bike to ride, you know, on the weekends if they're practicing or uh, whatever. But, yeah, I mean, the two-stroke race that we had at Verb Moto, I believe that the um, amateur scene is doing really well on the 125 two-strokes as well with Casey Cochran, Logan, Logan Best, Noah, all of those guys that were on 125s uh, show speed, and a lot of indus industry people are looking at the 125 and two-stroke classes for the jump up to the 250F class. So um, I personally, I do think that there is a little bit of uproar uh in the amateur local scene for the two strokes. Uh, and that's my opinion. And uh, Heavy D, I'll let you give your opinion. Honestly, I do. I yep. do. I I think they are. And the reason I say, one reason is, and I hope to see it, I want to see manufacturers like Suzuki and Kawasaki. I hope they do come out with uh, two strokes again. And I think, I'm going to say I think they will because with Husky, Doing the fuel injection on the two-stroke. Yep. KTM. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's it's about that time, dude. I think it's it's they're making a comeback, and it's what people have been waiting on for years, especially the fuel injection on a two-stroke and for it to hit the actual hit, hit the ground. And I've been seeing videos of of some kids riding them. I mean, they sound good. The response is unreal, and I think it's it'll only go up even more especially for the amateur scene absolutely and i think the technology is there uh and i think that the rider talent is there to be able to ride these uh these bikes at a at a you know a, a top level in whatever class that they are in so uh manufacturer wise i don't know man to be completely honest i don't know like suzuki they dude fix the 450 and the 250 first fix that first and then start making 125s, right? But Honda, like, Honda should come out with 252 strokes and 125s, I believe. Hondas. Hondas need to come out, come out with theirs. Yeah, the Hondas need to come out because uh, the Australia or the uh, um, the Aussie brands of KTM, Gas Gas, and Husky are really, really killing the game as far as two-stroke goes. And Yamaha, I would say, would be right behind them or maybe right with them. Um, but... Yeah, like, dude, seeing a, seeing a, I get excited when I see, like, the 04 uh, RM125 that Dylan Woodcock had at the straight rhythm. Like, dude, I was stoked. JT got to ride a uh, RMZ125 uh, RMZ, uh, or RM125. Um, I personally, as a uh, RM Army and Suzuki guy, I would love to have a Suzuki 125 or a 252 stroke. 
But is it going to happen? I don't know. I, I really honestly, I don't know if, if some of these brands are going to venture off in that or if we're just way too stuck in this four-stroke era right now that that is just where all these companies, right? Because you got um, you got Triumph coming in, right? You Like, are they going to make a two-stroke mm. or are they just going to stick to four-strokes? You know, we'll have to wait and see in, you know, 2023, you know, next year for more updates on that. But, you know, TM, Gas Gas, are we going to have Fantic come in at some point? I mean, that's another brand that's that's out there. But are they going to come to the United States? I don't know. Are they going to bring their two strokes over here? I don't know. So, I don't know. Um, I feel like it's in a good spot with the amount of manufacturers that we have that are still producing them. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't see in the near future on some of these manufacturers, um, you know, spending a good amount of their budget in the 125 or 250 CC two-stroke builds. Um, but I don't know. Uh, anything I mean, else on that? I definitely, I, I'd like to see it. I mean, I would hope it would happen. The likelihood of it happening, probably not. But I mean, if especially with the like the Rebel straight rhythm, how much people loved it. And seeing like AJ Catton and Zero and them having the custom Honda 125s and stuff build, like they see that you would think, like, all right, maybe we should for a year at least try it and see how it goes. Like, I wouldn't mind them, to be completely honest, but, I wouldn't mind for them to have the EMX2 class, like a EMX2 125 be out there, you know, even with the pros. Like, if you have to do it, and well, see, <laughs> and then and then you just go back to the whole TV schedule. Because you can't just throw them in there, right? And because they have to do track work, they have to do interviews, they have to do this, they have to do that, right? Like, and it's all crunched together. Like they're on time, and if they're not on time, I'm pretty sure they could probably be fined. I'm pretty sure. But regardless of the fact, uh, they may may not or may not. I might be butchering that. But regardless of the fact, they have to stay on a TV schedule for it to work. And I don't know um, because I've heard a, I've heard a, you know. Um, about this talk on different podcasts and different, um, you know, media platforms um, about this same conversation, but I don't know if they're going to be able to work them in uh, the same. But, you know, they, you know, we see that they work in the future, so I don't know. Maybe that, maybe they can work something out, and I hope that they do to keep the two-stroke um, conversation and, uh, you know, my, moto lifestyle alive, uh, because I feel like two-strokes are still. Those bikes that people love from back in the day, they still love to hear them. That's why you see events. That's why you still see bikes being made, that sort of thing. And they're they're evolving. They're not staying the same, like, uh, unfortunately, the RMZ 450, which we won't talk about. But regardless of the fact that they're still manufacturing them, they're they're elevating them. So I do. So yeah, all in all, uh, both me and Heavy do Heavy D do think that they are making a uproar in the uh, amateur and local scene. I mean, look at the People's Champ, Matt Burkeen. I mean, mm-hmm. winning everything on a two-stroke, so you can't say that they're not fast. You're right about that. Yeah, because he's he's competing with the best of them, dude. And on a two-stroke, so you gotta love it. And big shout out to Matt Burkeen. I mean, he went he he just went up there to the Travis Pastrana pro uh pro race up there in um. Hidden Valley, uh, Jeff Cernix, Wes Kane, Last Man Standing, Rod Bell, Burkeen. Um, I forget some of the other riders, but um, yeah, that was a big event, and uh, I believe he got third in one of the classes. I watched his vlog, and if you guys have not checked out his vlog on YouTube, it is honestly one of the greatest uh, vlogs that is out there for a amateur 
or no, I'm sorry, not an amateur, but a uh, privateer hero of the sport. So make sure to mm-hmm. go and check him out on YouTube because he does phenomenal work. Um, but Heavy D, that's pretty close to the end, and uh, we have to give a huge shout out to uh, to Hydropower. Um, they have a sports nutritionist that has created this brand, and um, you know, arm pump, endurance. This stuff helps. Look at the reviews on their website. Go to drinkhydropower.com. Read the reviews. Read the supplements that are in them. Read, you know, anything and everything that you need to know about this drink is on their website. It's interactive, and Hydropower is formulated by uh, Garrett, who is a sports nutritionist to help get rid of arm pump and increase your endurance so you can ride safer and faster. And here on the Imperative MX podcast, myself and Heavy D want everybody to be uh, to ride safer, uh, safer when they're riding faster. We don't want anybody getting hurt or seriously hurt, and uh, perhaps uh, you know, um, you know, their career getting taken away before it even starts. So um, make sure to get hooked up with Hy- Hydropower. We're going to have a uh, affiliate link down below in this YouTube um, description, and that will save you uh, a little bit, and will also help us. Uh, for a little bit of uh, commission. So make sure if you guys want to order Hydropower to click the link down below for that affiliate link and uh, order your Blue Raz today. Um, And also, we have to give a huge shout out uh, to our brand new sponsors, Dirt Industries from Rayford, North Carolina. Dirt Industries for over 10 years have designed, manufactured, and marketed the highest quality dirt bike graphics and decals to the motocross and consumer markets. Their high-quality deals are considered by many to be the best in the industries, or their high-quality uh, graphics, I'm sorry, uh, the best in the industry. If you would like to get your cra- or your graphics looking top-notch, go no further than Dirt Industries. So make sure you go to DirtIndustriesGraphics.com, and uh, Heavy D, help me out with their social medias. It is Dirt Industries Graphics, Dirt IDs, or DI Raps, all on Instagram. Awesome. So make sure to go and check out Dirt Industries. They're going to be doing our banners uh, for the Silver Valley MX Park AB Shootout $20,000 race and moving forward. So um, it's going to be really, really exciting here soon. Uh, Silver Valley, um, have to give a huge shout out. They have the big race that we just always keep talking about because it's going to be a lot of fun. We hope to see everybody there. There's so much that's going to be going on. And uh, yeah. West Virginia Motorsports and FXR, West Virginia Motorsports, if you need a brand new uh, motorcycle, ATV, dirt bike, whatever the case may be, if it's got an engine, they got it. So make sure to check out West Virginia Motorsports on social media, their website. Uh, Go get your ride today from Princeton, West Virginia. That's where I got my RMZ 2023 450. And uh, yeah, couldn't be happier with the purchase and make sure you order your parts. And uh, Heavy D, don't forget... Those oil and air filters. Don't forget That's them. That's right. Don't forget them. Um, <laughs> and uh, FXR. Lit kit, local, professional. It doesn't matter. You know FXR. You know how lit the kit is. Any kit, it doesn't matter what selection you get. It is going to look good. And from the local scene to professional, uh, best in sizing, fitting, comfortability, venting, all of that good stuff. So make sure to check them out on social media, FXR Moto, or go to FXRRacing.com to see all of their lines of gear, snowwear, jackets, apparel, 
anything, go and check out fxrracing.com. And we are so glad to have all of these sponsors back. The Imperative MX podcast for episode number three. And uh, Mr. Gillespie, uh, Gillespie, Mr. Heavy D, I appreciate you being on this podcast. We uh, are a little bit over two hours, so we went a little bit farther than normal. But, hey, for good measure, and we had a lot of good talking points tonight. That's right. I definitely appreciate you having me. It's always fun. I love it. It's something I look forward to. And, um, I, you know, I just can't wait for people to listen and uh, get more feedback from everybody. Absolutely. And I've, you know, I've obviously been checking out the analytics on YouTube. It's honestly insane. I think we're up to 45 subscribers uh, right now. And I think we're only, you know, three weeks in. This will be episode number three. So you call it three weeks on the YouTube. Um, and it's honestly phenomenal. Uh, we just got put onto Spotify, and the analytics on Spotify are going through the roof already. So it's awesome to see the support from the community, the companies, and all of the listeners, you guys, from home, work, your couch, wherever the case may be, at the racetrack, it doesn't matter. Um, awesome. This was the this is the end of the Imperative MX podcast, episode number three. Make sure... Uh, if you see me out at the Lake Sugar Tree Halloween Bash this coming weekend, make sure to stop by, say hello. We'll be out there racing and enjoying it just like you guys are and Silver Valley in two weeks. Uh, but we will be back next week, um, next Thursday, and yeah, for episode number four. But for episode number three, myself, host Zach Newberry, and co-host TJ Gillespie, Mr. Heavy D, we're out and we'll see you next week. See you guys.